You're listening to the Faculty Podcast. In this interview, Thomas Rulli discusses the concept of degrowth and degrowth strategies that can apply to larger firms. The idea of degrowth or decroissance in French, uh, it has been popularized in the 70s in France uh, by a philosopher called André Gors. Uh, but since then, if we look at uh, the topic or the concept of degrowth, it has been uh, mostly explored through very macro perspectives. So macro meaning coming from the top, so coming from governments, big organizations, regulation, and uh, really most it has been economists and politicians that have been occupying this, that space and thinking about this concept of décroissance. So when with my colleague uh, Joel Botello we started thinking about that, we thought, uh, you know, it's time that business and organizational leaders and scholars start looking at what degrowth really imply, uh, look at it from a more positive standpoint, uh, and the idea is to give a, a different perspective informed more by human behavior rather than by policy or by very macro-level economics. Uh, and and the, the starting point of this uh, uh, this question around degrowth is that we, we can see that consumption patterns are already shifting towards consuming less uh, as epitomized by the movement for eating less meat to limit climate change or to fly less. And so that's basically why we are trying to go back to this philosophical perspective on degrowth and take more of a bottom-up uh, approach to the question of degrowth rather than an economic perspective. You, you can see in the, in the corporate rhetoric that uh, most corporate leaders are, are actually very afraid, they are very concerned by this idea of, of, uh, of shaming the consumer, that's the, the, the words of the CEO of H&M, he says, uh, degrowth is about consumer shaming. Uh, what they are really worried about is that degrowth means less consumption, less people buying their products, less revenues. Uh, and so a lot of corporate leaders, they think it's crazy, they think it's suicidal. Uh, but they, again, they see it coming from, from a policy perspective. They see it as imposed to them by regulation, by government. Um, and, and for most trucks, they have good reasons to be worried about uh, the risk uh, if they don't adapt. Uh, and the other perspective on, on growth that we hear about very commonly is this idea of green growth so that we can just continue to grow but with better products. And it is a relevant perspective, but we know that even with more efficient products, more, in, more efficient energy consumption, uh, consumer might actually buy more of them. And that's what we call the Givens paradox. Um, and so the reality is that this, this degrowth idea, it doesn't come from government or, or from regulation at the moment. It's already happening, whether we want it or not, uh, because it's happening through the, the shift in consumption pattern. Uh, and so businesses, instead of looking at, at degrowth as a threat, uh, they need to start thinking about it as an opportunity, maybe to sell less, but with a more durable products, uh, products that add value, and that do not consume as much resources as what is currently being produced and sold. At the moment, uh, we have mostly anecdotal evidence, but we see that at the grassroots level, we have a number of social movements, uh, from Extinction Rebellion to Greenpeace, uh, who are putting a lot of pressure on consumption. Uh, and, and we already see that consumer demand is actively being transformed and is shifting towards consuming less and consuming products and services that themselves are not consuming as much resources as they used to. And so, so we do not consume the same way, and this change is uh, there to continue. Uh, 
and it's driven partly by ethical concerns. So because of climate change, uh, people are, are worried about how they consume and how their consumption is affecting uh, climate change. So if you remember, we had uh, the UN study on climate change that suggested we should cut meat. So a lot of people started uh, moving to uh, vegetarianism or flexitarianism to eat less meat. Uh, but if you look at the current context of the coronavirus, uh, it might be that actually increasingly in the future, we are physically constrained in our ability to consume. So there is a, a willingness to consume less. Tomorrow, because of the current context, maybe there will be physical constraints on our ability to, to consume, and we will have to be more frugal in the way uh, we consume. But if you look at uh, concrete, uh, concrete evidence that there is a shift in consumption, so you mentioned the YouGov poll that was conducted in France, which shows that the proportion of people who want to consume less has doubled in the last two years. So we have 27% of consumers who now report trying to consume less. Uh, Sweden, uh, in, a, in a study of 10 airports before the coronavirus crisis, they reported a significant drop in, in traffic due to the movement of uh, flight chaining. Um, so there are evidence already that people are changing the way uh, they consume. And if we change the perspective of this change uh, for business, from a business perspective, we can say that it has opened new business opportunities for example, with alternative to meat or the use of alternative means of transport. Uh, and, and there are new niches, new business niches and new opportunities for differentiation that are emerging. We mentioned three different strategies that I can apply to larger firms to, uh, to address those niches of new consumers and to address this consumption, this shift in consumption pattern. So the first one that we mentioned, we, which we think is the central mechanism or the central strategy that uh, firms can engage with is to uh, to adapt the design of their products to to cope with uh, uh, this uh, shifting consumption pattern and it's about changing the product design to create uh, products that have longer lifespans that are modular that are locally produced with less resources so you can already see that happening in in the fashion industry uh, or other objects that we use daily, uh, such as uh, phones, computers, uh, and in the automotive industry. Uh, so in the 20s, uh, in the 1920s, there was planned obsolescence, meaning we were producing a lot of uh, cars that had a short lifespan. But in the 70s, Japanese firms, when they entered the market, they were promoting more valuable and sustainable vehicles. And a lot of industries are actually experiencing this kind of shift where the differentiation is based on creating products that are more durable. So the second strategy that firms can uh, can engage in is based on shifting uh, part of their uh, value proposition across the value chain. So exiting some parts of the value chain when there are lots of uh, CO2 emissions or lots of resource consumption that are involved entering new parts of the value chain when there is a, a rational for consuming less resources and enabling more durability for the product or the services that they provide. Uh, it also involves more engagement with stakeholders, so taking more into account the demands uh, and the ideas of customers and business partners. So you can think about uh, Apple collecting their older phones. Uh, Lego has set up a, a marketplace to exchange and sell 
the second-hand pieces uh, that they initially produce. So a lot of those uh, movements, a lot of those strategies, uh, they are helping firms shifting some of their value proposition and limiting their consumption in resources or promoting uh, the, the durability of their products or services. The last strategy that we identify is focused on how firms can actually pioneer new standards so they can put forward uh, new standards that will change uh, the industry. Uh, and so it's basically the idea of setting up new practices that will then become the norm and for which they will have a competitive advantage. They will be leading uh, the industry with those new norms, those new practices. So if you think about Patagonia, they are repairing their own products and other garments. And uh, many of their competitors now, they are moving into that space uh, as they initially could not offer the service, but uh, it will very soon uh, become uh, become the, the, the norm and the key practice and we'll see a lot of firms in that industry that will follow that lead. Uh, you see the same with uh, patents, for example, with some uh, some firms that are in the early stage of uh, an industry development, for example, Tesla uh, in the electric car industry. Uh, so those firms that are uh, at the early stage of an industry emergence, that an industry that promotes uh, less resource consumption, then some of those firms, they actually share some of their patents to further the development of their industry, which will foster uh, the growth of different partners, different suppliers in that field, which will make it easier for those firms to then grow and capitalize on those new, new stakeholder networks uh, emerging around, around their industry. The key argument we make is that the growth should not scare businesses. Uh, that in fact businesses should think about degrowth as an opportunity uh, and the key takeaway is that degrowth is happening whether we want it or not through this shift in consumption pattern uh, potentially in the future with the coronavirus crisis and, uh, and such events we might be more physically constrained than we are now in the way we consume so all of those elements, they will mean that we consume less or in a different way and we shift towards more durable products. And so degrowth is happening from the bottom up and firms have to address uh, this shift in demand if they want to survive. And to do this, they have to change their value proposition. They have to adapt. They have to potentially tackle, tackle new niches. Uh, and this will rely on a more open communication with their stakeholders in particular with their suppliers, with their consumers, with providing more durable products and being generous with sharing their best practices and creating an ecosystem around them that will uh, promote the durability uh, of their products.